We are starting a new sermon series today, and it actually has uh, uh, been a while since I started entertaining the thought of beginning a series in the book of Matthew. Now, the very first thing that Matthew starts with is the birth of Jesus, which will be our topic. But instead of approaching it from a celebratory, sort of Christmas sort of way, we are going to approach it from the angle of truly digging into these scriptures. Now, having said that, I am going to skip over the first number of verses because they are genealogy. That's not to say that they are not important or that we cannot learn anything from them. I don't know that I've actually heard a sermon series from a genealogy, but I guarantee you this genealogy merits its own sermon series. Each name in it is significant, and the people in the bloodline of Jesus have their own stories that contribute immensely to the gospel message. For instance, as it pertains to our text, it is traditionally held that Matthew draws his genealogy from Joseph's side of the family. And this is interesting for a number of reasons. The first and most obvious is because Joseph was not really Jesus' father, but he was a descendant of David. Second, Matthew's gospel is held as being a very Semitic gospel. You'll notice that the other genealogies in the Bible follow ancestry of only the men in the family tree. In this respect, it makes sense that Joseph is the focal point of the opening chapter of Matthew's gospel, which is the third point. Matthew focuses on Joseph's perspective of Mary's pregnancy. Therefore, we are also going to look at this account from Joseph's perspective. Although he is often an overlooked character in the grand scheme of this wonderful story, Matthew seems to devote a fair amount of attention to him. And the reasons for this are obvious. That is, if you have been acquainted with the Jewish culture of his day. You will not find this in scripture, but it is attested to in numerous historic sources that skeptics ridiculed Mary's virgin birth. It was not that they could not comprehend that God could bring forth a child from this humble woman without a man in her life. They just didn't believe it. There is nothing special about her. There is nothing special about Joseph. So who are these goofballs thinking they could trick people into believing that God made this woman pregnant? Marrying a non-virgin was a ridiculous, scandalous, and even wicked thing to do. This is clear in 1 Corinthians 7 when Paul says that it is in no ways sinful to marry a virgin. For those of the nation of Israel and those who knew God's law, they were aware that it was not acceptable to marry non-virgins. In some respects, losing your virginity in those days was a way to declare your marital commitment to the person. This is why we refer to the act as consummating one's marriage. Jesus himself confirmed this with his own words when he said that, you should not marry a divorced woman because doing so causes her to be an adulteress. It was scandalous to do so. Joseph did not consummate his marriage 
until after Jesus was born. All of what I've just mentioned tells us an awful lot about Joseph. His decisions would have said one thing to his peers and family and a totally different thing to us. It confirmed that Joseph believed Mary. His original plan was to divorce Mary secretly. In other words, he wanted to break off their marriage arrangements. Had he believed that she was not a virgin, he would not have married her. It would have been immoral for her to be running around with men before getting married. It would have been wrong for him to marry her if she was already proving to be unfaithful. Now we know from the text that an angel came to Joseph in a dream and told him that Mary's pregnancy was of the Holy Spirit. He really did believe that she was pregnant. The problem was, his friends, family, and other acquaintances didn't buy it. Imagine what everyone else's thoughts were. Joseph, what are you doing, man? You're smarter than this. You're better than this. Are you really telling me that you believe this nonsense? That God is the one who gave Mary this baby? She's lying to you, Joseph. Don't be a crazy person. Come to terms with the truth that she is unfaithful. Joseph did not bend to the pressure. And this is what we are told of Joseph through his actions and what we can learn from him. I'll paraphrase it like this. Faith is always beautiful, but it is not always pretty. Faith is always beautiful, but it is not always pretty. What do I mean? For Joseph's whole life, he'll be labeled as a silly fool. The story accepted by skeptics was that Mary had been cavorting with Roman soldiers. And her story about the angel was a cover-up to save her marriage and her reputation. People could not comprehend how Joseph didn't see it. To Joseph, their feelings were inconsequential. His faith was beautiful, although it was not pretty. God had made things perfectly clear to him. This was his will, and he would be this child's earthly father, his guardian and protector. He was a man of great integrity and unshakable courage. Furthermore, he chose to abstain from consummating his marriage until after Jesus was born. Although it was his marital right to do this, he wanted to be faithful to God and prove that he had no relation with Mary until after their firstborn was brought into the world. What would cause an ordinary man like Joseph to hold so strong to this conviction? What would cause Mary not to succumb to the shame of being pregnant outside of wedlock? It is because they knew that God had spoken. Now, could you imagine the relief it would bring to you if God said, Yes, Susie, you are to go and become a lawyer. Or, do not fear, Eddie. I want you to become a missionary to Iran. Do not be afraid. I will not let anyone harm you. If God spoke to you in such ways, you'd probably approach 
your calling with absolute confidence. Now here's the funny part. God has spoken to us. We have his holy word at our disposal to encourage, teach, and direct our lives. We know that obedience to his word will lead us straight into his arms one day. Yes, he might not tell you what profession he wants you to pursue, but he can direct you in how to live your life. Many people have sacrificed their souls for the sake of riches. There are many successful people who haven't thought twice about the immorality they have engaged in. Likewise, there are many a broke man and woman who don't even give a second thought to following God's ways. God can't do anything with these sorts of people. The person God can use is a person like Mary, who said, I am the Lord's servant. Or a person like Joseph, who received God's word and believed him. We don't know much about Joseph, but we can conclude certain things about him. He was a man of faith, of unshakable integrity. He would not let other people's opinions sway him from doing what God had called him to do. He was not going to be an impatient man who would divorce the one he was betrothed to. He would not tarnish the supernatural pregnancy, but allow his virgin wife to give birth. We can have this sort of faith as well. We can choose to stand upon God's word and bring Jesus into the lives of the unsaved. When people say that what we believe in is silliness, that we are above that stuff, and that we can't possibly believe that Jesus guy, we can say, I do believe, and I will walk in his ways. Our faith might not always be pretty. Let it always be beautiful. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sunday mornings at 1030 for our worship service. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.